Morning, everyone. The message this morning will be based upon the Gospel reading, John 14, verses 23 to 29. And in this um, chapter of the Bible, Jesus is comforting his disciples. So this is a message of comfort, peace, and hope. And by the end of this message, I hope that all of you here present and those of you on Zoom will be comforted. You will be able to embrace God's peace and be instilled with hope as you continue your Christian journey. So the background to John 14 is that Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples before he is crucified. He's preparing his disciples for the time when he will no longer be with them physically. And it's sort of like a farewell at the Last Supper. Can you imagine what it was like? Their world was about to be shattered. Judas was going to betray him a bit later on. Peter was going to deny him, and their whole world was going to be turned upside down as they witnessed his awful crucifixion, death, turmoil, and heartache was to follow. But here was Jesus, despite all of that, talking about peace. In this chapter of John, Jesus is comforting his disciples by promising them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to be doing during this message, we're going to look at four things. Briefly, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, that is a huge topic, a whole other sermon, but I'm just going to try and sum that up in a few minutes. Then we're going to consider how can the Holy Spirit help us? How can we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And finally, how can we apply this in our daily life? Because when we have a message, I like to make sure that it's not just words that are thrown out, but words that we can apply in our daily living. So that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to start with who is the Holy Spirit? As you already know, the Holy Spirit is a third person of the Holy Trinity. We have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we as Christians accept Christ into our lives, God fills us with his Holy Spirit. God living inside of us. So just as you need oxygen to breathe, to live in your human body, if you trust in Christ and you embrace him in your life, you are born again in a spiritual sense. And the Holy Spirit becomes a new source of, of the source of new life that God is placing within you. So the spiritual oxygen. You don't no longer need to look at God as some higher power out there that you can't relate to. But as you are transformed from within, then you can become more like Jesus through his Holy Spirit. So I like to think of it as us as humans needing oxygen and we as Christians needing the Holy Spirit like our oxygen. John 20 verses 21 to 22 says... Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So basically, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our life, in the life of a believer. And I like to think of the Holy Spirit as that inner voice. And we'll talk about that a bit later on. So how can the Holy Spirit help us? 
In John 14, verse 26, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The word advocate comes from the Greek word parakletos, <coughs> or paraclete, meaning counselor, comforter, or helper. In the NIV translation, it literally means called alongside someone else. So the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, stands next to us or near us so that we can be reminded of Jesus' words and teachings as the Spirit whispers those things into our, heart, uh, into our hearts, prompting us to remember those things that we would probably forget. So the Holy Spirit is our helper and he's sent to assist us to live our Christian life. But how does he do that? Now the Holy Spirit does many, many things. Too many for me to spend the morning here telling you. But I would like to pick out six of them, how this advocate, Perikletos, helps us. Firstly, the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ. He strips away all our sinful habits, all those sinful characteristics, and brings us into holiness. It's like peeling away and replacing them with godly characteristics to make us more and more like Jesus. So that's the first point. The Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ. We often sing that song, don't we? To be like Jesus to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, to be like him. Well, the Holy Spirit helps to transform us to be more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit also gives us power to witness. We all know the story in Acts on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on his disciples. In verse, one, uh, verse 8 of chapter 1 of Acts, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit sends us out as a witness, and he gives us that power to do it effectively. So when we are out there sharing the word with our friends, with our family, even with strangers, the Holy Spirit gives us the words to be that powerful witness. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. This is what John says in verses, verse 13 of chapter 16. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. What Jesus is telling us here is that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives and he will guide us in the direction that we need to go. So the Holy Spirit is also our guide. He will not leave us in confusion, but will reveal the truth to us. So those dark places in our life, those areas of uncertainty, he will light up those areas and will give us a clear vision, a clear picture of God's purpose for us, a clear direction of the way that we should go. So the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit also convicts us of sin. 
As I said before, the Holy Spirit is working to make us more like Jesus, and he convicts us of our sin. We all know that sin is something that God doesn't like. It offends God, and it holds us back from him. And if we sin, which we do, of course, I'm sure none of us here can say that we don't sin. We do. But the Holy Spirit will bring those sins to our attention. I remember when I was a child, my parents had a tin which they kept on the top of their fridge. And in that tin, there were some sweets. It was known as a sweet tin. We were allowed sweets at specific times of the week as authorized by our parents. What a temptation to have that sweet tin up there on the fridge. On numerous occasions, when I was in the living room by myself, I would gravitate towards that tin. But there would always be that inner voice reminding me of the rule and what would happen if I break that rule. How many of you can identify with something like that? <laughs> I liken the inner voice of the Holy Spirit to this, convicting us of our sin. The conviction comes before the sin happens. The Holy Spirit will start to tap on your heart once temptation comes. It is our responsibility to respond to that warning. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted, but he didn't give in. He didn't sin. Giving into the temptation is what brings a sin. So when the Holy Spirit nudges your heart, gives you a little nudge, before you make that move, listen to his voice. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit also reveals God's word to us. We know that when Jesus was here on the earth and he walked around the earth, everywhere he went, he taught. He taught the word of God. But he's no longer here physically, so the Holy Spirit now takes that role. He does it by revealing God's word to us through the Bible. So the Bible is our roadmap. It's complete. It's trustworthy. But I don't know about you. There are some parts of the Bible that I don't completely understand. When we read it, it's not everything we understand. And, but this is where the Holy Spirit steps in. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So the Holy Spirit teaches and reveals the meaning of Scripture to us the very way that Jesus would if he was here with us. So there are times when you read it, you don't understand. The Holy Spirit is there to help you with that revelation. Verse 26 in John says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit teaches us, reminds us of God's promises through his word. He reminds us how we should live through his word. The Holy Spirit also, this is the final one I'm going to mention, gives us peace. Because as stated earlier, the Holy Spirit is always present. Of course he must be because he's within us. So, in, so when Jesus 
said he was going to send the Holy Spirit through his father, we were also promised and given peace. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is Jesus' last will and testament to his disciples as he was about to leave. He was about to leave with nothing. Even the very clothes that he had on his back would be taken by those soldiers that crucified him. But there was one thing he could give, and that's peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. What a mighty gift indeed. And certainly something that we need at a time like this. Throughout this chapter of John, Jesus kept saying to his disciples, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. He knew what was to come. He was trying to comfort and instill peace within his disciples before their whole world was torn apart. We as Christians, we can also bask in God's peace because his Holy Spirit, our advocate, the comforter, the counselor, the helper is within us and is always present to give us that peace. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, remains at our side forever to represent us, to defend us, to give us that peace, to provide the counsel that we need. So these are just six ways that I've picked out and Trust me, there are many more, how the Holy Spirit helps us. So when did the Holy Spirit first arrive in the Bible? Does anybody know? Yeah, the Holy Spirit was right there from the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the Spirit was right there from the beginning. And the Holy Spirit works in people's lives. Throughout the Old Testament, right down into the New Testament, we can read of how the Spirit came upon certain judges and warriors and prophets in a way that gave them extraordinary powers. Now, I've been talking for quite a long time now, and I'm going to pause for a minute to get some feedback from you. Thinking about the prophets and the patriarchs of, of old, can you just shout out some of them where we clearly saw the Holy Spirit working in their lives? Elijah? Joseph, yes, with the dreams and the way he worked with his brothers and how he helped with Egypt? King David? I had King David on my list. We can clearly see the Holy Spirit working in David's life. And in fact, many, in many of his psalms, he cries out to the helper, to the Holy Spirit. And he declares that the helper, the Holy Spirit, is with him. I heard someone say, Samson over there. In Judges, we see how the Holy Spirit was in the life of Samson and how he was used to tear down the temple. Any more? Daniel, yeah, in the lion's den, and also with the, the three Hebrew boys, we saw the spirit there working. The fire was the spirit. Deborah, 
Good. Ruth, good. We're hearing some women as well. He was in their lives too. I'm glad they've been thrown in there. Yes. Samuel, yes. He heard the spirit of the Lord speaking to him as he slept. So yes, the spirit speaks and he works in people's lives. I had Saul as well. Um, the spirit worked in his life, but a word of caution there. The spirit of the Lord actually departed from Saul because of his disobedience. So we need to be careful there. I also had Joshua in Numbers 27 verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership and lay your hand on him. So the spirit worked in the lives of many characters and patriarchs in the Bible, in the Old Testament, right through into the New Testament. And so he can work in our lives as well. So how can we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to short share four ways in which we can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. Some of them are a bit of a repeat of how the Holy Spirit helps us, but it's worth mentioning them again just to re-emphasize them and stress their importance. And the first one is the Word of God. We experience the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Author J.D. Greer wrote a book called Jesus Continued, and in his book, he pointed out that Paul often equated the fullness of the Spirit with going deeper in the gospel, diving into the Word. The Spirit's primary way of actually moving and speaking in our lives is through the Scriptures. The Spirit works, as we said, to shape us into being the kind of people that God wants us to be in living the life that he wants us to live because then we will be doing the things that he wants us to do. And 99% of God's direction for us can be found in the Bible. The Spirit conforms us to Christ's character through the Word of God and help us walk the paths of wisdom. As we do this, we will accomplish the will of God. So even if you don't take anything from this message, I hope you're seeing how vital, how important it is that the Word of God is in our lives. But we don't have to just read it and decipher it and understand it by ourselves. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. We experience the Holy Spirit through the church. In the New Testament days, the most common way the Spirit spoke, in the book of Acts, for example, was through the church, other than through the scripture. In Acts 13, verse 2, it records, while the church was worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. God gave the church specific insight into what Barnabas and Saul should be doing and where they should go. Throughout his life, Paul as well received instructions about where to go and what to do through members of the church. And he also gave a similar words of instruction to Timothy. He said to him, I find nothing that indicates that God has stopped speaking this way to his children through the church. So we can experience the Holy Spirit through the church. We can also experience the Holy Spirit in our giftings. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, that whole chapter is about the various gifts given by the Spirit. And the Spirit is the source of these gifts. The chapter elaborates on all the spiritual gifts that there are, and these gifts are a benefit for everyone. These big gifts can become a primary vehicle for guidance in our lives. I don't know if you know the story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And in one of the parts of that book, um, the children there, the Pensive children, are given some gifts. And they don't realize it at the time, but these gifts are going to be essential when they come into battle with the enemy. Peter has a sword which was given to him, and this helped to lead the assault against the enemy. Lucy had a gift, a healing ointment, and this helped to bind up those that were wounded in battle. This imagery from Lewis mirrors Paul's claim in 1 Corinthians. We perceive what God wants by looking at the gifts he has placed within us. So if you have the gift of prayer, for example, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you who needs to be prayed for and how to pray for individuals. If you have the gift of hospitality, for example, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you those that need that hospitality and will help to guide you and direct you as you use that gift. If you have the gift of discernment, for example, the Holy Spirit will help you to discern who is in trouble in your family, in the church, in your community. So we can actually experience the Holy Spirit in our giftings. He will reveal to us how to use those gifts to glorify God and to benefit others. The final one that I want to bring to you, and it sounds a bit strange, is that we experience the Holy Spirit in our spirit. Throughout scripture, we see that God guides people in their missions, in their actions, by putting special burdens into their spirits. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation when you've been burdened and you felt in your spirit, I need to do this, I need to do some that. That's the Holy Spirit. An example is Nehemiah, which is found in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12. When he left for Jerusalem to rebuild its walls, he didn't have a specific command from God. He simply said that God had put it into his heart to do it. Paul often also was burdened by the Spirit of God. In Acts 17, verse 16, Paul was, it was recorded that his spirit was provoked within him, and this was about the idolatry that was happening in Athens. I'll just read the verse. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And as he was stirred by the spirit and provoked by the spirit, he decided to stay there and preach the gospel there. So the Holy Spirit stirring within him made him take a course of action to stay in Athens and preach there. And throughout our lives, sometimes, as I said, we might experience this burdening, this holy discontent about a particular situation or a promise might be burdened on our heart that will cause us into a certain course of action or a certain course of ministry. That is the Holy Spirit in our spirit. 
So, I've pointed out four different ways in which we can experience the Holy Spirit. What were they? Through the, through the Word of God? Through the church? Through our giftings? Just checking that you're listening in. And through the Spirit of God. Well done. So, how can we apply this in our daily life? How can this help us as Christians today? Let's go right back to verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus calls us to demonstrate our love by keeping his word. As Jesus reflects God's image by faithfully obeying God's will, he calls us also to reflect his image, Jesus' image, by obeying his will. In order for the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and be active within us, be active in our lives, we need to live according to his will. And what does that mean? You've heard me mention several times through, the, through this message about the word of God, reading, following the word of God, hearing the Holy Spirit speaking to us through God's word. Pray to establish that relationship with God. Spend time listening in his presence when you pray. And you will clearly hear that inner voice of the Holy Spirit. As Christians, it goes without saying, we are encouraged daily to pray. It's that conversation with God which will help to develop our relationship with him and help us to draw closer to him. And I know that when I pray, I'm very guilty of talking, talk, 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 cat God, talk, 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 without pausing for a moment. But I'd like to encourage you today that when you are in his presence and you are praying, we heard this in the, the uh, prayer course that we did recently, that you stop and you pause and you listen. What are you listening for? Listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. So when we're praying, let us stop and pause. I'd like to encourage you to do that and listen to that voice, that inner voice of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned previously that the Spirit speaks through the church. So it's important, of course, if he's going to speak through the church, to be part of a church community, to gather as a church like we are today to worship, to hear his word, to encourage each other in the Spirit. And I've been praying recently, and the pandemic has really had a, an effect on people gathering in church. Thankfully, we've had Zoom and we've been able to do that. However, I feel in my spirit that it's time for us to come back together as a church, to come back together physically as a church. And it's not necessarily in this church building. It might even be in your cell groups. But I believe that it's important for us to start coming back together as a church so that we can hear and talk and share about the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to encourage everybody that's listening today, whether here or on Zoom, to come back and start gathering together as a church, whether in your cell group, in your prayer group, or physically on a Sunday morning here in this building. 
Jesus' death was imminent. He was about to, to die, and he knew he was going to die, but his concern was for his disciples rather than himself. He reassured them that they would not be alone, and he promised them peace. He offered a hope, not only to his immediate disciples, but to anybody that was around who loved him and was serving him and keeping his word. This peace and hope is also for us today. It is possible to embrace Jesus' peace in the midst of turmoil, disappointment, and woe. No matter what you are going through today, my brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit, which Jesus told the disciples that the Father would send, is here with us today. It's in you, it's here in the church, offering comfort, peace, and hope. The terrors of the world cannot take away, cannot eradicate the shalom peace that God has sent via the Holy Spirit. There is so much going on in our world. There always is, but so much more than normal. There's war, there's disasters, there's poverty, people suffering. The pandemic, as Chris said to us this morning, is still very much with us. People are depressed. The suicide rate is up high. People are becoming disillusioned. Even Christians are becoming disillusioned. Can you imagine those without Christ? But as Christians, now is the time to look up. When Jesus was encouraging his disciples in Luke 21, he said the following in verses 9 to 11. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famine, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. He then went on to encourage in verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus does not offer us a life without hardship. As he makes this promise of peace, he himself was on the way to the cross. Jesus himself, he knew trials, he knew tribulations, he knew disappointments and pain. Jesus knew too that we would face days or seasons of fear, great loss, pain and suffering, confusion, no idea where to turn, sometimes not even knowing what our next step would be. His eternal words of comfort as expressed in John 14, are for you and for me, his disciples today. He said it to them, but he's saying it to you as well. You will be okay, because I will send the helper. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you. Jesus wanted his disciples and he wants us to hear this. It was said from his heart, his heart of love, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you alone and without help. The God of all comforts has given us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to carry us through these dark moments. The Holy Spirit is there within us, reminding us of God's promises, comforting us, instilling peace, providing us with that power for living and guiding us to do what is right. We are not alone. Although all around us is in turmoil, we have that comfort and we have that peace. And as I'm coming down, I want to share with you my recent experience of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit spoke to me and comforted me. In the early hours of Saturday morning of this week, we lost Clive's mum, my mother-in-law. I call her Sister Roach. And the Holy Spirit was definitely there comforting me. He reminded me about the circle of life. We're born, we live, hopefully a good life, which he did, and we then pass on to eternity. And he reminded me that it was her time to go. He comforted me with the fact that she was now free from pain and suffering and that she was ready to go. And I know that she was ready to go. I visited her nine months ago and she said it to me. She said, I've had a good life. I've seen many things. I know where I'm going and I'm ready to go. So the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. He also reminded me that God had it all in control. The way she passed was orchestrated by God. Usually she lives on her own and is on her own. But over the last few years, my mum and my mother-in-law, Sister Roche, they've become great friends. My mum lives part of the year in Jamaica, when it's cold over in the, in, in the UK, and part of the year she goes back to the UK when it's warm. And over the last few years, when she goes to the UK, she actually goes and lives with Sister Roach, my mother-in-law, and they've become really, really good friends. Last week, Sunday, my mother flew to the UK and she went to stay with Sister Roach. She would usually be on her own, but she had my mum there. They spent an amazing week together, reuniting their friendship, having fun and laughing. And then in the early hours of Saturday morning, the Holy Spirit, and it was the Holy Spirit, woke my mum up. Woke my mum up just in time to hear Sister Roach, she calls her Andy, calling out, Andy, Andy, come and help me. She went to her and my mother-in-law passed away. She was not on her own. My mum was able to hold her in her arms as she drew her last breath. That was the Holy Spirit. He woke her up and the Holy Spirit comforted me with these words. As a family, we are all comforted by the fact that she did not die alone. Believers, let not your heart be troubled. God has given us the Holy Spirit. And 
if we can move to the slides, number one, the first slide. Next slide, as I talk through. He's given us the Holy Spirit to help us to be more like Christ. Secondly, to give us power to witness. So as I talk through the numbers, yeah, power to witness. Number three, to guide us into all truth. Number four, to convict us of sin. Number five, to reveal God's word to us. And finally, number six, to comfort us and give us peace. And in the closing words of this message, I would like to encourage you to make time to pray and pause in this coming week to listen to the Holy Spirit as he ministers to you. I'm going to invite Pamela and the worship team to lead us into a song. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. Open my ears, Lord, and help me to listen. And we're going to practice that, which I'd like you to do in the week, as I said, to pray and pause and really spend some time just listening to that voice. So they'll sing the song through a couple of times. We'll stay seated. And then the instruments will play while we listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then there'll be a couple of minutes of silence. And as you're listening, if the Holy Spirit gives you a song or a verse of scripture or maybe a short prayer, that is your time when you can speak it out. So first we will sing, we will listen, and we will pause. Pamela. <laughs>